0: Hello and welcome back to OT Talk with Mr. T, the show where we talk how to live occupationally with using fine motor and functional life skills. I'm your host, Mr. T. Questions, comments, suggestions are always welcome at MaximumTEE at Yahoo.com. We're talking some practical help. Practical tips, practical ways of being able to find how to make it more functional in the classroom and at home and the like for our children and others as well, especially with the help of yourtherapysource.com with yesterdays and in general. And today, talking about the idea of taking some risks, not the idea of jumping off the cliffs or bungee jumping or... Parasailing, parachuting, all things that scare me because I have an aversion to heights. But in general, when it comes to risk-taking, especially in children, we want to support them taking the proper risks and exploring and being adventurous and seeing the world in many different ways. We want to allow, allow the children to explore enough. Do you allow children to explore enough? Risk-taking is so important in childhood in the right way. Taking a risk... And achieving a goal provides a child with a strong sense of accomplishment. Remember back to when you were young, when you climbed a tall tree, scaled a fence, or rode your bike down a steep hill. I still remember going down one of those big hills growing up. And the bike went so, so fast. I felt it swerving a little bit. It gives a little bit of a rush, but then the sheer terror takes over and I'm like, I'm not doing that again. But going down a semi-big hill or going down a street where you're able to get the nice speed and still control the bike is wonderful. Bike riding used to be one of my favorite, favorite things. So the feeling of going down that hill, you know what it is. It feels exhilarating to try to do this by yourself. So next time a child is trying a new skill that might be a bit risky, try some of the tips below some of the tips we're going to talk about before you say stop. Observe the situation closely. See if they can do the task safely without you interfering. A lot of times when kids are doing tasks in general, when kids are doing activities in general, we rush to try to help. We rush to try to jump in Give them that assistance, assuming that they can't do it themselves when really they can. We have to let them do it. We have to realize that they can do it. We have to be able to see that they can do it instead of jumping in and automatically assuming that they can't and trying to do it for them. Let them see if they can do the task safely. Just as if they're on the playground, they're trying out a new step, one step at a time. They're trying out the new ladder, the new slope or the new slide on the playground, see if they can do it. Don't automatically see if you have to help them, see if they're able to accomplish the task. If you need to interfere to ensure safety, can you offer verbal suggestions instead of physical prompts? Can you give them tips? Can you tell them ideas without having to physically or tactilely getting involved and getting yourself in the activity, in the task? It is the same theory when children are learning any new skill. Assist as little as possible. This is what we do a lot of times. Reverse chaining, backward chaining, or scaffolding. We want to do a little by little. Help a little bit, but not a lot. Give min assist, not mod or max assist. Help a little bit minimally. Even in situations where it may be easier for you to help, like speeding up the task or for peace of mind, Guilty as charged for myself for sure, but in general we should try to step back and let the child, let the student, let the family member, let the client, let the person try to do it as much as possible without jumping in to do it for them. Will the child succeed better if someone else is the teacher? If you are particularly nervous watching a child perform a certain skill, perhaps perhaps ask someone else to work on the goal, like a parent or an aunt or an uncle. Or the like, and stop and make sure that you are not saying no, due to your own fears. When children walk alone in the school or the community, are you especially fearful that they may that they may not make it safely to their destination? Perhaps start off small. And follow quite a bit distance behind until you are comfortable that the child arrived to this destination. In a school setting, send the child back to class alone. But maybe call the classroom to let the teacher know that the child is on his or her way. This gives the child a sense of independence. Also want to give some tips with the modifications. We love talking about modifications, how to adapt things Adapt the task that the person involved, adopt the task themselves, or adapt the environment to see how we can help them. Modifications to the school environment greatly can benefit students with disabilities. Even students without disabilities, everybody can benefit from universal design for learning. UDL, we've talked about this before. You know, doors that open automatically in shopping centers, everybody can benefit. Not just someone in a wheelchair or someone pushing a carriage. That's universal design. Ergonomic pencils, ergonomic scissors, You know, sheets of paper that are more adapted to writing or better surfaces, better writing materials, better lighting. Everybody can benefit from that, not just disabilities. School staff should teach students to be independent in making sure that appropriate modifications are in place within the learning environment. School staff should not complete the modifications for the student. Without the student's approval, there will not be follow through ...on modifications in the classroom. Here are five things to help students be independent with modifications in the classroom. Explain to the students the benefit of modifications. Provide before and after data or examples directly from the academic work of students. Like last week, I told you about my student who... ...the slanted writing and the writing that had no good spacing. You look at this the before sample above on the top part of the paper and then the bottom sample... Where I gave him that special popsicle stick, the plastic one, and you see the difference with the spacing and the writing. And then I turned the page again. I slanted the page to the opposite of the slant so that he wouldn't slant it as much. You know, if we had it to the right, we'd turned it more so that he could go the opposite way. And you saw the difference in the writing. So show them, show the students, explain them the benefit the benefit of the modifications of the adaptation and adaptations. Educate the student on modifications. Explain to the student different supports that are available to him or her. When we're writing and we have different pencil grips, I usually give the children options of which grips they want. My favorite ones again are the ergonomic the pencil grip makes the ergonomic crossover pencil grip is my favorite. Then there's also the claw grasp where it has like three little fingers that are like connected. As a little claw around the pencil, but that's better for the older kids. But the ergonomic one is really good. But I show them them, and usually ask them which one they want. Usually they go to the ergonomic one anyway. But once you educate them, you give them the different supports that are available and let them choose which one they want. Also review what has worked in the past. If a student has tried a certain excuse me, if the student has tried a certain modification with no overall changes, keep that in mind. Things change over time. Sometimes a certain modification can be worth revisiting later on. If it doesn't work now, you could always come back to it in the future at some later point. And teach the student self-advocacy skills. Practice having the student explain to the school staff why they need certain modifications. This will be a lifelong skill to master. Again, class-wide, you could give the the bands for the seat. You could think of flexible seating, seating adaptations. There could be fidgets for the hand or fidgets for the feet, but different things that can help them. You could explain it to the administration. You could explain it to the teachers, explain it to parents, all these different modifications that can help them over the year, hopefully over the long haul will help a lot. And then reassure the student that it is okay to ask for help. We all need help, a little help sometimes. We all need help with certain aspects of our lives. No one is perfect. Every student needs additional support. At some point, that's why we're all here as educators and staff members and administrators. We're all here for the students, to make the students have the best time possible to learn as much as they can. Hopefully, with different things, different modifications and adaptations and different ways of approaching tasks and activities, we could help them better master the task, better master their environment, and better master the skills we want them to learn, We want them to be able to take with them in life to be more successful and more functional and more independent as they grow older. Join us next time as we talk about some ideas of participation for children with disabilities and physical activities with the help of YourTherapySource.com here on OT Talk with Mr. T. And I'm your host, Mr. T.